Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Resiliency, a podcast dedicated to enhancing field workers' resilience. I'm your co-host, Steve Finley, along with Silas West. And this particular episode is another Family Secrets episode Because in many of our episodes, we choose a topic that pertains to resiliency, and we find an expert to interview about that topic. But in our Family Secrets episodes, we actually find some Antioch Movement family members who've been on the field for a while, and we ask them about their secrets to resiliency and just really what has kept them on the field uh, for this long. What are some of their secrets? So today, we're blessed. Thanks for being with us today, guys. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, we can't think of anyone better to talk to us about their family secret, which is just walking closely with Jesus when weary. So why don't you guys, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, uh, we have loved Jesus here, there and everywhere for several decades now. Um, and We've been excited to be able to be overseas. The joy and the, yeah, the grace that God's given for us to be able to do that, to actually be where our heart has longed to be. We've had the opportunity. And, and to do that, there's been a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of pressing in and pushing in. I was laughing earlier when you said, we, we seek out experts mm-hmm. in these things. <laughs> no, that was the other group of people. Yeah, <laughs> the other like, field. And then you clarified and said, no, 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 these are the family secrets. Just yeah, kidding, just that's kidding. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, we'd, I don't know that we, yeah, we're grateful. So we've been in Asia for the last 10 years. As with all of us, we're going to be vague about where we are. We, it'd been the dream of a long time to be able to be there and to get overseas from about 20 years ago. Yeah, I I just went to a passion conference 20 years ago in 1999, and I picked up a Joshua Project prayer card for an unreached people group, began praying for them at that time, and so we've had the privilege of serving among that people for the last 10 years Mm. until we had to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have four children, two were born overseas. That's right. So yeah. we've got four boys, not just children. We have four boys. Young men. Our house is full of energy <laughs> mm. and joy and conflict all day long. <laughs> Love your family. Why is was walking closely with Jesus a topic that you, you chose? Well, I think that <laughs> the thing that has sustained us in 20 years of pursuing this dream, 10 years of living it out, and what we've seen in other people is that staying close to Jesus is the most important. Uh, most important to help us get where we want to be. Most important to keep us there, but most important for our hearts. Because we're packing up today to head back overseas, but not to the place we were at. We probably will share a bit of that story in a second. But mm. And so every, every yes to Jesus is a no to something else. Mm. And... Every embracing of 
the life that he's given us is, is a letting go of something else. He said, take up your cross and follow me, you know? And so in every, in every yes to him, there's a little bit of picking up the cross and there's a little bit of hurt along the way, but God is with, it, with us through it all. Mm. And so, yeah, we're, we're a little raw and tender because it's you know, 10 years since we launched the first time and here we are 10 years later again to go to the same people but a totally different region and what has kept us doing it over and over when we wanted to give it all up and buy the plane tickets and come home mm-hmm. <laughs> when we wanted to say is this really is this what we're made to do are we doing the right thing do we have what it takes mm-hmm. then the answer coming back all the time was um, <laughs> was was just the sweet voice of Jesus and that answer to that call we say it over and over again I don't think the disciples knew what they were saying yes to when Jesus said hey leave those nets come follow me mm-hmm. but that's what mm-hmm. we um mm-hmm. But that's what we all say yes to, mm. is Jesus. Yeah. Mm. I feel like if you'd lay out, hey, this is actually what it's going to cost you at the beginning, mm. I don't know that we would say yes. But going through it at the other end, we say, absolutely. Mm. Do you know? If you, He says to count the cost, but it's the treasure. He's the treasure in the field. It's worth everything. And Sorry, it's just... Yeah, that's it. So that's why we chose it, cause, uh, because he does it all. He's worth it all. And so staying close to him, we don't want to miss him in the journey. We don't want to miss him in task. We don't want to miss him in even completing the commission. We want to meet him in the middle of it all, because he sustains it all. We were just sharing with a bunch of different people as well this last weekend. The Great Commission is such the joy of our hearts, Right. It says that he revealed himself to his disciples and, and they worshipped, worshipped him and then some doubted. <laughs> and then after that, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Go therefore into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end. And we all know that. That's by our hearts. It's in who we are. But that lo, I am with you always has been the bedrock for making it, for being resilient, for going again when it hurts, for pressing in again, for saying yes to him because he's lo, I am with you. That's why, because it makes it all makes all the difference. I can't keep going if Jesus isn't with me. I don't want to. What's an aspect of of Jesus and his character that you feel like, I don't know if I could have ever known him in this way without going through these trials? Yeah, I think he's revealed to me that he's the God of more than enough. He's my provider. Mm. And... um, Right at the beginning of our journey, when there was um, our closest friends, one of the trials that we walked through, um, they collapsed, their marriage imploded, and by the grace of God, they've been restored and um, are in a really great, healthy place now. But in the midst of it, we didn't know what was going to happen. The Lord spoke to me, and he said, you have everything that you need for the journey that lies ahead. Mm. And that's a word that has sustained me for the last 10 years. You have everything that you need for the journey that lies ahead. We have him. What has made walking closely with Jesus so poignant and real to you? So maybe we should just recount some of the things that we've walked through. Because I always want to start that place with 
the comparison game does never help. <laughs> it hasn't helped us stay there. If we look to someone and say they're going through so much worse, it hasn't helped us stay. Mm. And we've heard a story that says we're doing so much better, it hasn't helped us stay. Wow. So the comparison game doesn't ever help. Whatever you go through, whatever issue or struggle you go through is is your place of struggle with God. And he knows it and he's in it. Mm. So he doesn't think any less of you or any more because there's a different struggle someone else has experienced. I think the only thing that it does help me do is to hear how other people have overcome, to hear how other people walk through it, and to give me hope that, hey, even in this thing, God's going to be there. Mm. And so that's why I want to share a testimony. That's why I want to share the difficulties because the grace of God is found in those places Mm -hmm. and just like you alluded alluded to Steve yeah we we get to experience who God is Mm -hmm. at a different level when you meet him in that place God's always about revealing who his character is Mm -hmm. in the old testament they would say oh God you're my refuge oh God you're my strong tower Oh, God, you are my shield and my fortress. You're my one who I run to. And it was out of a place of understanding of the need to be in that place that they met God as that for them. So many times the theology of God for those of us who are Western-minded is in his sovereignty or in his omnipotence or in his omniscience. And there's these great characteristics that we run to. But the place of experiencing God is, God, you are my great father. You are my great protector. And so we get to experience him in those places because of what we go through. Mm-hmm. And we then get to be the, someone who experiences it so that not only do we have it for ourselves, but then we can be a place of saying, here's what God has done. Oh, let us look to God. He can do it again mm-hmm. for you. And so we've been in a place, a part of the world that has, in the last two years, shifted dramatically. Whenever we got to the region we were in, we knew that it was going to be a difficult region. It's not an easy place to live, but many of us live around the world in places that are not easy to live. But what was a different level is the level of monitoring that we lived under mm-hmm. in the way that the uh, authorities would watch what we do, uh, monitor obviously our phone calls and our emails. But in the last two years, uh, there's there was a before we got kicked out in the last two years, there was a dramatic increase in surveillance, particularly targeting our people that we love. So, So, for example, if you walk down the street, every 250 meters, there are armed guards with machine guns, and mm. then every 500 meters, police stations with cell phone docking stations where they would pull people aside randomly, plug in their cell phone, to determine if there's anything illegal on their phone, which is any any kind of free speech, like social media, Google, WhatsApp, mm. any kind of religious material, like if you had the Bible on your phone, that was all illegal. And then they would upload their spyware. And then there were cameras everywhere, including outside of our own door. And so 24 hours a day, it could be... Um, we could be tracked, and then everyone in the city and in this one region 24 hours a day it was tracked where they were so if we wanted to go to a friend's house we had to um walk by these facial recognition scanners and sign up and say who we're visiting and for how long and we had to do the same thing to go into our own home so those kinds of things were difficult and demanding Mm. (laughs) emotionally (laughs) 
good words, difficult and demanding. demanding. I'm sitting here. I've heard y'all share so much about what's happened during that season. And that was the first I heard that you were having to do the facial recognition scanners in order to go to the friend's house. You know, what being watched, yes, but that's intense. Wow. So that mm. that sort of ratcheted up over the, the last the two years. So that was the external things that were happening. But some friends started disappearing. Uh, by that, I just mean that the, they weren't, people would call and say, hey, do you know where so-and-so is? We haven't seen them. They haven't come home. They're not in the hospital. We called around. They're not in the, even in the prison systems. We called the police. They're not there. And then we started to hear that they were being taken in to um, camps. And so all of this is happening. Uh, the level of fear that mm-hmm. is over our region is just, a ta- I mean, tangible. Mm-hmm. And so there's... Uh, military parades that are happening down the street and it felt like we were in and we would say it like this it felt like we were living in a war zone but with no war because there was nothing there was no conflict happening there was no there was nothing about to come and take over this was in the middle of a region but that's what it felt like Mm -hmm. so in those places uh, our friends backed off and so people we were reaching out to people that we'd given the word to people that we'd met with regularly they had to stop communicating with us mm-hmm. and in that season so therefore we're there we're there we've been believing for 20 years that God would re- reach this people we waited 10 years to be able for the doors to open first to go we waited another five years for the region to be opened up so that we could find a way to into it that the door would be open we were finally among them mm-hmm. we were starting to be welcomed into people's homes hearts were being softened towards us and then this ratcheting up of this clampdown happened so that even our best friends couldn't contact us. They, it was too dangerous for them to call us. It was too dangerous for them to contact us. And we went from interacting with people on a daily basis to a period actually of about two months where nobody could contact us. And so our, <laughs> our purpose for being there, right, all of a sudden got completely stripped away. I mean, we're there for CP, right? We're there mm-hmm. to love people. We're there to read the scripture with them. We're there to invite them into meeting with Jesus on a daily basis. We're there to see people's hearts respond to him. And the external way, a mechanism for us to do that completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so in that place, we had to wrestle with, uh, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we at the other side of the world? Why are we struggling through this with our kids? Why are we restricting ourselves intentionally and out of choice because we're in this region to do all this? What are we even here for? And in that place, that's where that uh, simple response of, we're here because we said yes to Jesus. Mm. And until he says something else, we're not doing anything else. People often ask, what is success? What is success? And the answer in my heart is, are we just saying yes to Jesus? But to do that, I've got to be talking to him. I've got to be walking with him. I've got to be meeting with him. And so in that season, he said, no, I have planted you here. So we could hear his voice speaking it. So he said, we're going to intercede like no one else can Mm -hmm. intercede. We're going to press in and meet Jesus in that place. And so we would intentionally gather because the fear sucks us dry like a slow leak in a drain. You know, it's like the water level of your faith just recedes Mm -hmm. if you're not pouring back in. The natural disposition of the human heart is to seep out faith, Mm -hmm. not to contain it. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep pouring it in, pouring in. So we were like, okay, we know that this is hard for us. We're with a few other families of foreigners who were uh, also trying to reach the same people. And so we would say, would you get together with us? Let's just worship and pray. Let's just worship and pray. Let's just worship and pray. And so we were together, we would declare out promises of God that he'd spoken years before. 
especially if it didn't look like they were coming to pass. Mm. We would say, God, what would heaven on earth right here in this region look like right now? As we're watching the military convoy go down the street, as we're hearing the loudspeakers blare out the propaganda, what would it look like right here? And what would our city look like if heaven came to earth? Mm. What would the city look like if the, if the presence of God were here? And then we would start to pray those things out in opposition to what we were seeing. Mm-hmm. Because the fear was tangible. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to be just hitting demonic strongholds and trying to just come up against what we were feeling mm. We don't want to be responsive to just that only. We want to say, no, no, no. What is it that we're believing for? And I'll add that in the midst of extreme difficulties, you know, we're also doing daily life. So I'm homeschooling the kids, and I have two little ones that are going to a local kindergarten. We're dealing with the practicals of, you know, making your own tortillas if you want to eat salsa. You make it yourself and your daily bread and... We go to the daily market because we have refrigeration, but it's very, very small, and it has about enough for two days' worth of groceries. For a family of six. For a family of six. So there's the weariness of living in a not primitive. Not primitive, but yeah, yeah, less developed. Less developed country. Prohibitive. Yeah, that's right. And then on top of it, there's the external things we've described happening all around us. And then there's the spiritual warfare that we're personally dealing with, which in our family was literally lack of sleep, like Mm -hmm. nightmares, being plagued Mm -hmm. with consistent nightmares over years. Many prayers prayed about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so physically, emotionally, we're just really tired. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to think clearly when it's, you're going on two years and you've not slept through the night, you know? Mm, <laughs> and, um, but um, so one of the things that he spoke to me practically, one night I can just remember I was laying in bed and I had finally fallen asleep. Everyone was sleeping in the house and I was woken up by the voice of God mm. and he said, start being thankful. And I had to just start recounting what I'm thankful for. So wow. simple gratitude helped me consistently change my perspective. When I would get discouraged and starting just looking around me, I could, I could get overwhelmed with what my eyes saw and with what my ears heard. But he would say, no, press into me in worship and in praise. But gratitude was super key as well. Mm. And she was faithful to do it when it, she didn't want to. The fact that those times she would do it, she would do it more. She would speak out loud what we were grateful for, that we were there together as a family, that we were, (laughs) even in our city, we had a beautiful view for our city, and we could look out and we could pray, and we were grateful that he was with us. Small things, but the gratefulness allowed our hearts to lift out of the downward cycle or downward spiral that could easily, easily happen. (laughs) And I know that sometimes it would be, I would be, you know, speaking out the lies that I'd be hearing just in the sense, we're not doing anything, this is ridiculous, nothing's going to change this, just mm. those things. And then she would start <laughs> speaking out <laughs> faith-filled promises. A know, good wife, like, like uh, our good wives. Uh-huh, <laughs> and under my breath, I'm like, it's not what I'm seeing. <laughs> Jesus loves me and everybody loves me. 
kind of, it wasn't, it's not how the declaration goes, but that's the way I spun it because I was like, not everybody loves me and they don't love Jesus either. Like I would be doing the opposite of that. And at that point, so I'm, you know, all this is happening. The stress is building and it, and I don't see how the gospel is going to advance. People were saying, you know, persecution builds his church. It's going to, it's going to build fruit. And I'm looking and I'm seeing them marching and I'm seeing the, and I'm hearing people disappear and nobody's reading the Bible and everybody's returning the Bibles to us because they're so scared mm. and fear is palpable and I'm not seeing an external fulfillment of any of those promises. And so I felt like that downward spiral and then um, uh, we're, as we're leaving, uh, we're having to shred documents and shred discipleship materials and and, and, and shred, uh, yeah, just shred everything because if we get caught with these documents, that is illegal. So we're trying to get rid of things that are going to be caught. And I remember sitting at the edge of the bed and going, it was, a mis- I w- it was a mistake for me to bring people here. It was a mistake for me to bring my family here. What was I thinking? What was I thinking about bringing our family all the way across the ocean to serve Jesus? We haven't seen anybody come to Jesus this last, this last season, you know, this last uh, months. Nobody's even talking to us anymore. We're, we're putting people further in jeopardy. We're, all of these things, and I'm just in this downward spiral. And it was almost like I wasn't, I was certainly not pulling myself out of it. And I, I'm, and fear was building and just this desperation. And that moment, Jesus came in and said, I am with you. I am with you. And at that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I've been saying all this as if Jesus isn't sitting right here next to me in the middle of it. And it was like, it's almost irrelevant how I got to this point. Even if I was fully obeying God 100% or even not fully obeying God 100%, I am with you. Hmm. It's like the the presence of God came into that place. So I stood up underneath it and I said, that is a lie. I'm not going to believe that. The gospel is the, is the truth of salvation, is the power unto salvation for those that believe I came because Jesus said to come. I came because his love was for me was here. And then we started to pray out and pray out and pray out. But as there was a certain, it was at that desperation. I was almost like just weighing under it and accepting all of this junk that was sitting mm-hmm. on our shoulders. And it was like, I, was, I got so mad because the enemy comes in not only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, even in the very place we're at, but then he's kicking me while we're down as if it were my fault that he's doing these wicked things. Mm. And it was like this thing rose up into me like, that is wrong. That is wrong. That is not what we have to sit under. That is not why we're here. And I could be able to come in. So I don't, it's like that place of, of recognizing I feel like I sit under it until the truth of God comes in to then take authority. Mm-hmm. And it really is that taking authority of, of my own thoughts at that point to pull up out of it. And literally, I'm, I'm uh, I love, I think it's, I don't remember who said it, but people who don't talk out loud are crazy. It's like one of those phrases. I was like, I was shouting out loud in my bedroom at that point because I realized I'm under this and I just let it happen. And so I, I definitely have to hear God's truth. And then I have to, I don't know why it has to come out of my mouth and not just in my own mind, but I feel like for me, and maybe, you know, there's truth in that too, of declaring out loud in the spiritual realities, but just to be able to speak it out loud, know that the plans that God has for this people is good. His way is perfect and he will bring, he takes everything the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good. He works mm-hmm. for the good of those that love him according to his purposes and just start quoting out the scripture and the truth to undo the lie that I was just sitting under when I was just accepting it, um, even as we're leaving, even as we're getting ready to um, have to leave and flee the country. So um, there were times when I would get really weary 
and discouraged just because the circumstances were so difficult in my perspective <laughs> of what we were walking through. And so um, I would, I noted that if I wasn't working out, drinking enough water and eating healthy, then I would start to go on a downward spiral and it was just harder to walk in gratitude and, mm-hmm. and press into Jesus in worship and in prayer. And so um, at that season, there were still the armed guards every 250 meters, but I started jogging consistently, and I would shout over the city. Um, I would shout different promises that God had given me mm. and, um, and, and shout the opposite of what this, the prevailing spirit was in the region. So kind of a prophetic act, I guess, is what you'd call it. But victory and praise is what I oh, would shout. Was- yeah, just victory, praise, victory, praise, shouting it over the land, shouting it in faith because it stirred me up. And I wanted to speak it over the environment where the call to prayer was going out and where propaganda speeches were being spoken daily and, and chanted by the people. I wanted the truth of God to be chanted over the land and spoken prophetically with faith. So that would stir me up and I, I it would like release all kinds of healthy endorphins and mm. um, practically I would I would literally have more energy in those kinds of circumstances afterwards. Tell us about your boys' resilience. One thing we've we've always tried to emphasize is how blessed we are and the gratitude has helped. We do it as a daily discipline in our home. We always talk about we talk about highs and we talk about lows, but we consistently make sure we're we're specifically citing every day the things that we're thankful for and so So we'll do it at the table we'll do it in the car we'll do it when we need it (laughs) like oftentimes we we would like it to be like every morning at 6 (laughs) a.m we get up together and peacefully sit down no what are you grateful for today but in our house of four boys Mm -hmm. that's not the way it is (laughs) but but every day we do it so it's either around the the dinner table because that's the easiest place to start and it just looks like, because we've got, I mean, we've had all ages. Now they're 12, 10, 8, and 5. So it looks different for all of them. But to just be the, to be able to say out loud, hey, okay, right now I want you to name it. Particularly if they start to fight each other as well. But hey, all right, we want to know two things you're thankful for right now. And the kids, ah, they, <laughs> that's what they, ah, okay. And then mm-hmm. they'll do a few goofy ones to start with and we'll try and push it through. But So, um... I think one thing that one of the results of the consistent gratitude in the boy's life is that it has helped them to be more resilient because they're here um, in the States. They've been here for a year for their first time in their lives, and there's been a lot of transition, a lot of highs and lows emotionally, but they'll come home from school and they'll talk about, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed. Some of my classmates have never been out of the state of Texas. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and they, they yes. really love the adventures they've had with God, and they go back to the stories of God answering different prayers in their lives. Mm. And so they can see his hand at work in their lives. Yeah. So I was going to add on to that, the, the gratitude part, but then we always do the, um, the what's hard. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. A question is yeah. how we do it. Thank you, Jesus. What is it? And then the the acknowledgement of the hard, because because we can't pretend like it's not hard. Mm-hmm. And so 
Yeah, even this week, because we're saying goodbyes again. Goodbyes are hard. Mm-hmm. Goodbye to grandpa and grandma, and goodbye to cousins, and goodbye to friends, and they feel it, and they really feel it. And so we're doing our best to acknowledge what's hard, to not pretend it's not there, to not dwell on it in the sense of camping out there, but to we do need to acknowledge it. We want to recognize that they are amazingly blessed. They have opportunities that nobody else has. I mean, that's what we do. We're, we are so blessed. I mean, you got to do this today. You know, you got to walk down the old Silk Road mm. in the back of the desert where nobody gets to walk before. Think about how many kids in America get to meet thousand-year-old cultures that have never been before and, you know, hike on this mountain where very few people have been on. I mean, just wow. we would honor what is there, but then recognize, hey, what was hard today? Well, it was really hard today that I got picked on again because mm. I was different. Uh, they were making fun of me because of the way I spoke my language because I didn't understand what they were saying. Or, or just for them, a lot of the things, like they were like, are we ever going to be able to see our house again when we left? And nobody, we're not. That, that's really sad. I just want to see my bedroom, you know. Mm. I want to see my bedroom. That was my bedroom. That's hard. There's nothing, there's not, and not, not gloss over it or try and immediately jump on, but just say, yeah, that's hard. That's hard. He's with us in it, but this one of the hard parts about following Jesus. As we, as we wrap things up, kind of what's another key as we think about really the people who are more at the front, front end of a journey? Well, we have to go to the first things first, always, right? I mean, whenever we go back to what's most important, it's the, it's the simple simple thing and we could say it like this every every season of life has transitions that can be literally moving again or it can be a different stage of life with your kids or it can be a new uh, stage of your ministry if you're starting from learning language to actually learning culture to actually starting to reach out or if you have to balance work responsibilities as well in a culture or whatever all those things have different transitions. And so in each of those transitions, resetting what is what is most important and putting it first mm-hmm. has to happen again. I feel like I have to do it again in each season. Maybe when we were in college, you know, the semester system was when you got that reset and you laid in the things that were going to last for the whole season. But when you're overseas and you're out of those, you don't have those bookends like you normally would. But you have to lay in the first things first each time. And we always have to talk through, hey, how is this going to happen this new season? Mm. How are we getting our prayer in this new season? How are we getting our workout schedule this new season? How are we being intimate this new season? How are we getting our time with Jesus this new season? Each of them are asking those real practical questions. It's really good. Yeah. So in your first term, I think um, there's so much transition and change happening that it can be really overwhelming. But if you can do a few simple things, like Tom was saying, where do you find life? So every day if during the time that you're washing the dishes or um, changing the baby's diaper, at that time you're quoting one scripture, but you're saying it over and over again and meditating on it. Or if you are able to listen to a podcast that really fills your heart with passion again and renews your vision, that could be helpful. For me, I would go back to Bill Johnson teachings because mm-hmm. they're so faith-filled and resonate in my soul. And it would build build me up and strengthen me. So those are some ideas. And this has been gold, mm. but we are going to have to wrap this up. Before we do, we just want to know if you'd pray a prayer of blessing over our listeners. Holy Spirit, 
thank you that you have been with us in every transition and in every difficulty that we've faced in life. And the, the tools and the keys that you've given to us, we impart to every listener right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Let them be filled with the Spirit of God. Let, th- let their ears be open to hear your voice and their eyes open to see your hand in their lives and give them unique tools for them that will strengthen them, that will fill them with joy and laughter mm-hmm. and grace to keep moving forward and holding on to the promises. Yes, Lord. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. You've been listening to Resiliency. This episode has been produced by me, Silas West, with help from my co-host, Steve Finley. We are so grateful for the generosity of our guests for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. We also want to give a big shout out to the band Honest Men, who wrote and performed the music in our intro and outro. Special thanks for the voice talent of Sarah Neely, who introduced us at the beginning of the episode. If you liked what you heard, encourage your friends to subscribe and tune in in two weeks from now for the next episode of Resiliency. Resiliency.